0: morning. First off, before I get started, um, <laughs> I can't get started without saying this. Uh, Pastor Ron's not here, but this would not be possible, um, me being up here and getting to share a word with you, if it wasn't for Pastor Ron and just the opportunity of him um, giving to me to speak to you and to share a word with you today. And so I just want to thank him. I want to thank the church and the leadership. And I also want to thank you guys uh, for being here. Um, I'm excited and uh, I hope that God speaks to you today and that you can leave here um, with a word of confidence and feeling um, encouraged. Amen? Amen. Um, We're going to be starting off in the book of Habakkuk chapter 2 verses 2 through 4. And while you're finding uh, your place there, I'm going to go ahead and pray and open up and just welcome God in this place. God, we just thank you, God, for today and for the ability that we have to just get to come together as a family, God, as a church, as believers, Father God, and just, um, God, study your word, learn your word, see what your word has to say and how we can apply it um, to our lives. God, we welcome you in this place, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. Well, for those of you that don't know me, my name's Ben Lancaster. I've been coming to Church on the Rock now for about seven years. Um, I've, I've been raised in church my whole life from the time I was about two, three years old until the time I was, a, uh, don't know, I was around 23, 24, I attended um, uh, the same church. My parents still go to the church that I grew up in. And uh, when I was a little bitty baby, my mom would bring me to church without shoes. <laughs> I would, I would come to, would come to uh, church shoeless and one time this lady came up to my mom and she was like ma'am I just I, I just feel like like God wants me to buy your son a pair of shoes I see y'all come to church all the time he's not wearing any shoes and uh, is there anything I could do to help you and my mom just looked at this lady and she was like ma'am You can buy him all the shoes you want, but he's going to be grown out of those shoes in about a week and a half. (laughs) So that was the reason why I never showed up uh, to church with shoes on um, as a little kid. But um, ever since I was about 24, I've been coming here. I've served in youth church. I served in youth church for, I don't know, three or four years when I first started coming. I still help out with youth church on occasion. Uh, whenever my schedule allows. I've been serving on the worship team. Most of you know me as the guy who plays guitar. <laughs> That's me. Um, I'm also one of the main leaders uh, for our young adult group. Back when we used to meet on Thursdays, um, me, Pastor Jeff and, uh, and Zach, we were in a little rotation and one of us would speak and bring the word and uh, we'd be going through certain books of the Bible, things like that. I also headed up our worship team and um, I would lead worship at YA. Some of you may have seen me lead worship here, but it's been quite a while. I've usually been playing guitar um, most of the time, but um, that's a little bit about me. And I went to Lamar. I graduated with a degree in exercise science and fitness management. I started off right out of college um, doing personal training, strength and conditioning, and then for the last nine years, um, I've been working in a school uh, with kids. And if you are a teacher, you know exactly what that's like. And Lord help us all. Uh, It is not the easiest thing in the world to do, but it is a very rewarding thing to do. But um, as a coach, one of the hardest things to do, and, and even when I was personal training, and I still do a little bit of that, but as a coach, one of the hardest things to do is to make sure that the team that I'm coaching individually, whether it's the position that I'm coaching or if it's the team as a whole, is to make sure that they do not lose sight of the goal at hand. And if I were to ask you, what is the goal for any team? Most of you would probably say, to win, right? To win. Why else would we play the game? Well, we play the game to win. But winning just doesn't happen. You know, the game is played but how the game is played is determined on everything that I did prior to the game, leading up to the game in preparation. If I show up to the game unprepared, not knowing my assignment, not knowing how to tackle properly, not knowing how to catch a football, not knowing how to throw a football, not knowing how to block, not knowing how to do your job and your responsibility, you're like a weak leak. Uh, leak. <laughs> Sorry. You're like a weak link in a chain. And a chain is only as strong as its weakest link. And the same concept applies for us in our lives. Me being a son to two parents. Um, I'm not married. Some of you are married. You and your spouse. You and the teammates around you. You and your coworkers, You with your boss. You with your church. The people that you serve and that you work with. You're, the people that you are surrounded with are only as successful as the weakest link in uh, that group. And so you have to maintain the vision. What is the vision? What is the calling? What is your purpose? What is your duty as a Christian and as a believer? Well, in the book of Habakkuk chapter two, verses two through four, it says, write the vision, write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it For still, the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It says, I will not delay. I, the Lord, will not delay. The the word of the Lord will not delay. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him, but the righteous, the righteous shall live by faith. See, what happens is we receive a word from the Lord, and as Christians, as New Testament believers, we take that word and we write it on the tablet, the tablet which is our heart, that seed coming into our mind, into our heart, into our life. And that is the word that we, uh, that we live for, that we live according to, according to God's word, so that we may reap the harvest in due time. Season, the labor that we put forth, reaping that fruit. Another uh, verse kind of talks about this same thing in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18, and I'm just going to go ahead and read it. It says, "Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. In other words, the people perish. They don't know what to do without vision, but blessed is he who keeps the law. Blessed is he who keeps. The word of the Lord. You see, most of our issues in life, kind of in my opinion, are not, necessar- are not necessarily due to a lack of vision. Most people have vision. If you ask somebody, hey, what do you want to do with your life? Most people can tell you, hey, I want to do this. I want to do that. This is what I see for my future. This is what I don't see, whatever the case may be. Um, but, the th- but the thing is, is, I don't think it's necessarily a lack of vision that we have but it's a it's nor a lack of faith but it's misplaced faith. We place our faith in the wrong vision. We place our faith in the wrong word and that is the thing that we begin to live our life on and what I mean by that is simply this. We end up acting upon the wrong vision or the wrong word in our life and when we do that we end up producing the wrong fruit in our life. See, when I graduated college, I had no clue like what I wanted to do. I knew what I wanted to do, but I didn't know what I wanted to do, if you know what I mean. And so I found myself like I had a job, I was working a job, I enjoyed it, I enjoyed the people I work with, I enjoyed what I did. But because I allowed myself to be consumed by fear, by uncertainty, not knowing if this is what I wanted to do for the rest of my life, not knowing if I wanted to step out of working in a gym and stepping into education and being a teacher and a coach, or if I wanted to try to get into business, or if I wanted to do that. And because I had all of these things coming in my mind, I was indecisive. I made it a a decision to not make a decision. And because of that, I found myself in a rut. I found myself this is going to kind of sound weird, but not really being of any good, not really being uh, uh, having any purpose um, in my life, and I was kind of at a, a crossroads, and it was all because I was allowing fear to dictate my life, and it wasn't because I didn't know the word of the God, uh, I didn't know the word of God, I knew the word of God. I was raised in church. I knew all the popular scriptures. I knew all the scriptures you wanted to throw up on your refrigerator. I knew those things. I knew what the Bible said about me. I knew that I was a child of God. I knew that I was redeemed. I knew that I was set apart. I knew that God had a purpose and a plan and a destiny for my life. And uh, I knew that he wanted me to participate with him. But the problem was, was I was allowing other influences to come into my mind, to cloud my vision, and I was beginning to act on the wrong seed, that wrong word in my life. A few weeks ago, Pastor Ron was preaching about faith, and he used this quote. It says, confusion and fear will keep you from having faith. Confusion and fear will keep you from having faith. See, I was allowing fear to have more of a say in my life than my faith. I was I was technically having faith, but I was misplacing it. I was putting it in the wrong thing. I was having what most people would call worldly faith. See, I wanted. See, I knew what I wanted for my life, but my vision was cloudy. I didn't need another scripture verse. I didn't need another uh, church to go to. I didn't need another Bible study to go to. I didn't need new uh, Christian friends in my life. I didn't need another word from God to come in and just drastically change me. I had all of those things. What I needed to do was act on the word that he had already given me. And his word, the Bible is filled with a word for you. A lot of times we feel like we got to receive this special word from the Lord when he's just saying, Will you just open up my word. I'm speaking to you right here and I don't want to say, I don't want to say uh, stand up here and say that God does not have a specific word for your life because there are people in here that God has given you certain dreams, God has given you a vision for your life. Maybe it's to start a business. Maybe it's um, God has, has called you and has told you that he wants you to be a mom or be a dad or you're going to be a husband or a wife one day. You're going to be a grandparent one day. God has given you that word. And we got to act on that word and prepare ourselves in becoming that. David was anointed king around the age of 12, 15 years old. But he didn't become king till, till many years later. And so what did he have to do? He had to live a life of preparation and becoming the person that God was calling him to be so that he could lead the nation of Israel. And it's the same thing in our lives. See, God's word, it moves, it renews, and it transforms our minds and the way that we think. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says, "'For the word of God is living and active. "'It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of what? Of the heart. The intentions of the heart. Man, and boy, our heart is wicked. Our heart is deceitful. And and, uh, Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9 through 10 says... The heart is deceitful above all things and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? Who can know it? But I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man, now listen to this, to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruits of his deeds. The seeds that we plant in our life are the seeds that we act on. It says it right here, according to the ways, according to the fruits of his deeds. The seeds that you sow will uh, will be a product of the fruit that you grow. The good news is God's word can see right through your mess. He can see right through your junk. And it has the power to change your life and transform you from the inside out. Hebrews 11 verses 1 through 3 says, Now faith. Is the assurance of things hoped for it's the conviction or the evidence of things we cannot see for by it the people of old and if you continue to read in hebrews chapter 11 and chapter 12 they call that part of the the scripture the hall of faith and you can read about abraham about isaac about moses about david about all these guys who lived this life of faith committed to the Lord, for by it the people of old received their commendation. In other words, they gained approval by faith. We understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that, were, uh, that are visible. See, God's word has the power to create, uh, and he set the world in motion by what? Why his word? When he said, let there be light, let there be light. There's power in a word. We cannot physically see God. I cannot physically touch him, but I sure can see the evidence of him everywhere. I can see the evidence of his word right here in our community, right here in this church. Uh, All around the world, we can see the evidence. Even creation declares the glory of God. Numbers 23, 19 says, this is Pastor Jeff's favorite verse. This is his life verse. God is not a man that he should lie or the son of man that he should repent. And that word repent also just simply means to change his mind. God does not change his mind. If he said it, he will do it. If he spoke it, he will fulfill it. Isaiah 55 11 says, so shall my word be that goes from my mouth. It shall not return to me void. It will not return to me empty. The word that I spoke will do exactly what I told it to do. It says, but I shall, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose it and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. See, our hope lies in the validity of God's promised Word, which is Jesus Christ. And we can see that in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, where it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. The Word produces life. It shines light in the darkness and darkness cannot comprehend it. You could be in a room and not be able to see your hand an inch from your face but there's still light in that room. Your darkest moment, the, the, the darkest, deepest place of your life where you felt like you were the only one, guess what? There was still light in that moment. And God was calling you, trying to pull you out of that pit and take you under the shadow of his wing. So how is it that we can actually have faith? How is it that I can grow faith in my life? How is it that I can rest assured in my faith? Well, if we turn to Romans chapter 10, verse 17, it tells us exactly how we receive faith. It says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through what? The word of God. That word, word, in the Greek uh, is rhema, the rhema word of God. And um, it means this, that which is or has been uttered by the living voice, It's a word spoken, it's active, it's alive, it it has a purpose. Faith isn't something that I can just pull out of my back pocket. Faith isn't something that I can just believe more for. God, I need healing, I'm just believing, 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 I'm trying to pull it out, I just can't have enough. Oh, I didn't get healed. It's, It's not like that. God promises in his word that he heals. And that's where my assurance comes from. And that's where my faith comes from. Believing and knowing that God has healed in the past. I've seen him heal today. I know that he'll heal in the future. And that's the word that I rest on. But even if he doesn't heal me in this present life, I will one day be healed, which is our eternal hope and our eternal glory. Our faith should be strengthened by the word that we receive from the Lord. The more we hope in Jesus and in his word, believing that what he says about himself in his word is true, the more our faith grows and the more it is strengthened inside of us. See, God's word convicts. God's word challenges us. God's word encourages us. God's word directs us. Um, and God's word moves us into a place to where we are submitting our life to him and to where we are furthering his kingdom. That's what his word does. It's an active word. Whenever we receive a word from God, we need to take it. In the book of Psalms, it says, hide it. I hide your word in my heart. Let the seed take root in good soil, and as we act on that word with patience and with endurance, not giving up, we will reap a harvest in due season. We cannot allow the enemy to come in and snatch the seed, the word of God in our life. If, we, if you go into uh, the Gospels and the go- uh, Gospel of Luke and you read about the, um, the parable of the sower, the seed, the word of God is planted And then it says the very first thing that happens is the devil tries to come and snatch and pick the Word of God out of your life. That's the very first thing that he tries to do. But when it falls on good soil, when it falls on soft soil, that soil just, ooh, it overtakes it. A quote that I like from this pastor, his name's Greg Loke, it says, The devil's target is your mind. And his weapons are lies. So fill your mind with the word of God. See, it's not what goes into a man that defiles him, but it's what comes out. The seed that we let into our heart is the seed that will eventually bear fruit in our life, and it's the fruit that we will act on. That word defile in the Greek simply means this to make common. So whatever seed you have growing in your life, whether it's seeds of depression, seeds of anxiety, seeds of fear, maybe it's seeds of joy, seeds of hope, whatever it may be, that will become common in your everyday life. Ooh, that's good, isn't it? It will become common. But this word also means to make unclean. It also means to spoil So if we are allowing the wrong seed to come into our life and to grow and bear fruit, that fruit will sour and spoil and ruin the vine. Those seeds of joy that you had in your life, guess what? Gone. The seeds of hope and freedom in your life, gone. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gone. Just like that. Out of the abundance of the heart our mouth speaks. If the devil can get a hold of your mind, he can control what gets into your heart. So how do we combat the enemy in our life? How do we combat the enemy in our life? Well, number one, we have to take every thought captive. You have to. 2 Corinthians 10.5, Paul was writing this to a church um, that... (laughs) Corinth was, and Pastor Ron has used this terminology before. Uh, Corinth was basically the Las Vegas of the day. Times ten. It was a bad place. If you were a Christian, I mean, you were around some, some stuff. I mean, some stuff. And you had the opportunity to be influenced in so many different directions. But it's no different than today. There's nothing new under the sun. The same sin that existed back then is the same sin that exists today. It's just multiplied because there's more people on the earth and we have have more uh, readily uh, accessible through technology. I mean, just turn on your TV. It's everywhere. Influence. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, We destroy arguments and every." Lofty opinion, raised against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive to what? To obey Christ. The devil argues against the truth and the knowledge of God in your life. That's what he does. That's what he did with Adam and Eve in the garden. That's what he tried to do with Jesus when he was in the wilderness for 40 days. He tried to take truth, and he tried to twist it. He added a little bit of lie to a little bit of truth, and he tried to twist it. And that's the same thing that he does in our lives. He doesn't have any other tricks. It's just who he is. He's the father of lies. And what does he want to do with that? He wants to destroy your life. So number one, how do we combat the enemy in our life? Take every thought captive. Your mind is a filter. My mom would appreciate this. She works at an AC company. (laughs) Your, Your mind is your filter. You have to allow that filter to do its job. Collect all of the junk, all the dirt, so it doesn't make its way into our heart. If I'm not changing out that filter on a continual basis, it's eventually going to ruin the whole system. The purpose of the filter, it it then becomes useless. Because our mind is so so filled with junk and not the Word of God. Number one, take every thought captive. Number two, we have to put on the full armor of God, the full armor, not just partial armor. Who wants to go to battle with, uh, with nothing and just a sword? You know what I mean? You know what I, mean? I mean, like, you've got to have everything. You've got to be prepared. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 12 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. What are his schemes? He's a liar. He's a deceiver. He's a cheater. He's come to kill, steal, and to destroy. The Bible says that he walks around like a roaring lion, seeking that which whom he may devour, like a roaring lion. He's not a roaring lion. There is only one roaring lion, and that is Jesus Christ. Whew, man. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, over the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Our quarrels are not with man. My quarrels are not with you. Your quarrels are not with me. They're not with my parents. They're not with my co-workers at work. They're not with the leaders of this nation. You might even think they are, but they're not. Our quarrels are with the devil, with the enemy. It's a spiritual battle. All we are, <laughs> yeah, amen, all that we are are vessels. We are a vessel either being used by Christ or we are a vessel being used by the enemy. And that is the battle that we are fighting. Take up the whole armor of God. Put on the belt of truth. That belt holds all of the armor together close to the body so that it can better protect the vital organs. Without the belt of truth, without truth, your armor is just going to float around, and you're going to have chinks in your armor. There's going to be gaps in your armor, easily uh, and readily attacked. Then it says, put on the breastplate of righteousness. Sandals of peace, the sandals of peace, these sandals that the Roman soldiers would wear had like these spike type things, almost like cleats uh, on the bottom of their feet. And it would help them to hold their ground so that they could be unshakable, unmovable, so that the enemy could not push them around. And without it, without peace in your life, you are easily tossed to and fro. You are. I am. It's happened in my life. And then it says... In all circumstances, not some, not only in this battle, not only in that battle, but in all circumstances, take up the shield of what? The shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. You have to have your shield of faith. And then it says, but the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. See, our first line of defense in the the full armor of God, our first line of defense is the shield of faith, not the word of God. Now, I know that can sound a little off and, and sound a little heretical, but I want you to hear me out, okay? No way, shape, or form am I trying to say that anything trumps the word of God in our life, because it doesn't. But hear me out. The shield of faith so that you may extinguish the fiery darts of the enemy. The very first thing that happens in your life when you begin to be attacked is an air raid takes place. An air raid takes place. It just feels like one thing's happening right after the other. Oh, God, this happened. Oh, this happened, this happened, this happened. And we can see the same concept applied with today's military. I mean, just look back at World War II before the invasion on on the beaches took place, what happened? The Allied forces went in and they bombed the, the Axis powers so that they could what? Weaken their defense. Because if they can weaken the defense, it makes the invasion that much easier for them to do what they were purposed to do. We have to withstand the attacks, the air raids, that first initial line of defense. Because once your shield is compromised, once your faith is compromised, the enemy can get to any other area uh, in your body. You are more open to the attacks on the helmet of salvation, which directly affects the way that we think and view ourselves as Christians and who God has called us to be. We are readily attacked um, uh, physically in the way that we live our life according to uh, Uh, The standard that God has set to live a righteous life, to live a holy life, your breastplate of righteousness um, becomes easily accessible to the enemy. The peace in your life. The enemy can easily attack the peace in your life without the shield of faith because there's nothing to protect it. I mean, thank God we still have these other pieces of equipment, but it's the shield of faith that takes the initial blow. If your shield was compromised... If it was weakened to any extent in a phalanx, which was a a form of fighting, guess where you had to go? You had to go to the back. Because you were then uh, no longer of any good uh, to those who were fighting alongside of you. They could easily get in and wreak havoc. But if if your shield was intact, if your shield was whole, If your shield could sustain the air raid, it will better protect you and even those around you. And in hand-to-hand combat, as the sword, the word of the Lord fights back against everything the enemy sets against you. Building your faith, strengthening your faith, establishing your faith, and allowing your faith to remain whole and intact. See, the word of, uh, of the Lord, which is the sword of the Spirit... It fights alongside our shield so that it doesn't get uh, damaged. It helps keep it intact. It helps keep it whole. It helps it stay strong. If the enemy can bypass your faith, it becomes a lot easier for him to attack the full armor of God. God is not asking us to have perfect faith. He's not asking us to have the strongest shield, the largest shield. He's not asking you to know how to use it perfectly. He just wants you to have it. He's not asking you to have perfect faith. He's asking you to trust him despite imperfect faith. In Hebrews chapter 12, 1 through 2, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight, all of the things that are holding us down, the sin in our life that we cling so closely to, and let us run our race with endurance, the race set before us, as we look to who? As we look to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. As we close, as we get ready to close, I just want you to know that having faith, and you've heard Pastor Ron say this before, having faith does not make things easy. Having faith makes things possible. We can get so comfortable living in a state of captivity that we miss the purpose and calling of God in our life. Don't give in to cultural compromise, uh, nor to the desires of your flesh. Another quote by Pastor Jake Sweetman, it says, and I love this, it says, We need to die in faith because we never stop living in faith. We need to die in faith because we never stop living in faith. The Apostle James says that our faith without works, our faith without action, is dead. Faith is not wishful thinking. Faith is this. Faith is the confidence... Uh, I'm sorry, faith is the conviction that God will always do what he promises to do regardless of the circumstance, regardless of the circumstance. God has called each of you with a purpose, and stepping into your destiny will require you to step out of your comfort zone. It won't be easy, but God will be right there with you every step of the way. He will remain faithful. He will remain steadfast, holding to the word that he has given you through his word, will you remain faithful to him? Will you be disciplined enough to act and remain consistent in the fight for what you know to be true and right according to God's word? Will you fight for the life that not only you want for yourself, but that you want for your family, that you want for your friends around you, you want for your coworkers, you want for your church, you want for community, you want for your nation? The only limitation... On the Word of God, the only limitation in keeping it from moving forward into all of the world is that of a believer. (laughs) Living out the Word is a representation of our faith, the eternal hope inside of us, which is the testimony of Jesus Christ, the things that He has done in your life bringing you out of captivity. But the word, the audible, written, and spoken word of God is a seed of life. It's a seed that that can only produce the fruit of the Spirit in your life. It's a seed of provision, not just for you to enjoy, but for others to partake. It's a seed that produces and stirs up faith, providing a solid and firm foundation to build your house upon. The Bible says, A wise man builds his house upon the rock. A foolish man builds his house on the sand. And the winds come and the storm came and it knocked it down. It's a seed that casts vision, that gives dreams, and provides us the means to live out his purpose in our life, bringing glory to God and furthering his kingdom. There's an old saying, and everybody knows it actions speak louder than words but only to the extent of that which we say. And what I mean by that is this. Our actions either validate the words that we speak or they disprove our character and our integrity. It counts us as frauds and labels us as hypocrites because our actions don't align with the things that proceed out of our mouth. We need to be doers of the word, not just hearers only. The word inspires. The word moves people to action. The word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. We can't afford to limit the word of God by living in a state of fear, by living um, or facing persecution despite worldly culture. And in the midst of persecution, when given a chance, the word in your life actually multiplies, it grows. We can see it all throughout church history. The persecuted church. The mission of God multiplies. Once given the opportunity, nothing can stand against the word. The church is only one generation away from extinction. Its existence is relying on the action of the believer being a doer of the word and not a hearer only. Wherever you may be, and we're all in a bunch of different places, mentally, physically, stages of life, wherever you may be. God wants to bring you out of captivity. God wants to bring you out of the land of Egypt. God wants to bring you out of the land of Babylon. God wants to bring you out of the darkness and brokenness of this world to establish you and rebuild you on His Word. Have faith in the midst of fear and uncertainty because you trust God's Word more than anything. There's two things in life. There's two things in life that it takes to win. Number one, it takes God on our side. See, God chose you before the foundation of the world. God knew you, while you were, uh, before you were even born. He destined you with a purpose. He chose you. That's number one. Number two, it takes us on God's side. We have to choose Him. So pray like it all depends on God and work like it all depends on you. God doesn't want to control you. He wants to partner with you. He gives you a choice. And I'm going to finish with this one question, and it's this. Will you participate with him today? God, we just thank you, God, for your word. God, we thank you that your word has the ability to give life. God, that has the ability, um, God, to to build and produce and establish our faith, God, so that we may rest on you and your word alone. God, that we may take every uh, thought captive, God, and that we may rest on your word and live out your word so that in due season, God, the fruit that we produce, oh, God, we'll be able to share it with so many different people. God, we thank you for your word. God, I pray that your word would take root today, God, and that we would leave this place changed, Father God. God, once again, I pray that that you would just continue to move and that your seeds would be planted all over this place today and that they would land on good soil. God, I pray that you'd bless these people, protect them, God, keep them safe. And God, we just thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.